Nyata, hello. Alison here from a little church in southwest Victoria called Sanctuary. Today is Mother's Day. Some of us have enjoyed breakfast in bed and hugs and chocolate and flowers. Some of us have celebrated with big family luncheons. Some of us have spent time with a mother who's become a good friend. And these are all things to be thankful for and to celebrate. And yet, for many of us, this is a day flecked with pain. Because some of us are acutely aware of the children we were never able to have, or the lives which died in the womb. Some of us are grieving the death of our mother, and the absence of mature women who support, encourage and guide us. While others of us are grieving that our mother could never provide the love that we so desperately needed. Some of us have had to become mothers to our mothers, containing their outbursts, managing their emotions, setting clear boundaries, or caring for their physical needs. Some of us are grappling with manipulative mothers, needy mothers, mothers who've turned a blind eye to our suffering, even abuse. Mothers who, like my own, all too often flayed me with the sharp edge of her tongue. In fact, for some of us, our mother has been our greatest accuser, our worst enemy, the person who, despite years of therapy, we still find difficult to love. And so, for many of us, Mother's Day is fraught. Surrounded as we are by images of happy families, we feel like we ought to be celebrating. We feel like we ought to be overflowing with warm feelings of love. Yet some of us are overflowing with feelings of grief or rage or shame instead. For although most of us will say we come from a loving family, for many of us the care and affection we have received has been so muddied with dysfunction that we have struggled to thrive. In our culture, especially in our churches, we tend to assume that families and especially mothers are naturally loving. But I find myself wondering, is it possible that many very normal mothers know almost nothing about love? And then I wonder, well, what is love anyway? Is it a warm feeling, a sense of identity and belonging? Or is it something more? In the first letter of John, the author writes that all who trust in Jesus as the Christ are God's children. Everyone who loves a parent loves a child, and we love God's children when we love God and follow God's instructions for right living. Indeed, he writes, the love of God is this, that we obey God's commandments. The love of God is that we obey God's commandments. These words should blow our minds because we live in a culture which suggests that love is natural and automatic, a warm feeling, a fuzzy emotion. But here we learn that love is an orientation and an action. It's an orientation towards God and God's children. And it's an action of putting God's commandments into practice. It means that love is an act of will. It's something that we choose to do. Of course, the particulars of how we love, that is, how we obey God's commands, will vary from person to person, household to household, city to city, and culture to culture. But we know from Jesus 
what the essentials are. Through Jesus, we know that love is shown through hospitality. We love when we reach out to the stranger, the sufferer, the social outcast, and share food and friendship and a listening ear. Yet many of us have grown up in families which have been inhospitable. Perhaps we were born female when our parents desperately wanted a son. Perhaps we were born gay and our parents couldn't accept it. Perhaps we were born autistic and nobody understood. Perhaps we were the unplanned child, shunted around to various caregivers while our parents got on with their work. In these and so many other ways, I suggest that many of us grew up in homes where our experience of hospitality was negligible. Through Jesus, we also know that love is shown through being generous with our time and possessions, using them not simply for our own gratification, but to nurture others. Yet many of us grew up in homes where time and possessions were fiercely guarded, rather than generously shared. For example, my own parents worked long hours, and by the time I was a teenager, I could go days without seeing them. I was often asleep before they got home from work, and I learned to feel like an interruption. Others of us have known economic hardship, at the same time that our own parents have enjoyed luxury holidays, or we've grown up in comfortable homes which were largely closed to visitors. And these and so many other ways, I suggest, many of us grew up in homes where our experience of generosity was negligible. Through Jesus, we know that love is shown when we work for justice and engage in peacemaking, globally, locally, and within our own households. Yet, many of us have grown up in families which were dictatorships. Children were never consulted on decisions which affected them. Conflict was the order of the day, and violent words, even actions, were considered normal and acceptable. In these and so many other ways, I suggest, many of us grew up in homes where our experience of justice and peacemaking was negligible. And yet hospitality, generosity, justice and peacemaking are central to following Jesus, and therefore central to loving obedience to God. And so, to put it bluntly, I suggest that many of us grew up in households where despite ever-present words of love, Love as active obedience to God's will was pretty rare. For whatever reason, the adults around us were not always able to extend themselves in ways which nurtured our life and growth and wholeness. They were not always able to love. And so it's no wonder that many of us feel conflicted and confused about our mothers and about love, and we grapple with the emotional overtones of Mother's Day. Now, of course, these things are difficult to name, and they will be difficult for some of us to hear. But if we are to be set free, we must name our hardest truths. If we are to be healed, we must name our deepest wounds. And for wounded people, tonight's passage implies two wonderfully healing themes. And the first is this. If love is about orientation and action then love is an act of will. It can be practiced and learned. In other words, our past does not dictate our future. 
We might not have experienced much love and action in our family of origin, but we can choose to orient our lives towards God, and we can choose to live by God's commands. We can choose to practice hospitality, generosity, justice and peace in every sphere of life. And this way of choosing will gradually orient the deepest core of our being towards overflowing joy. For in the Gospel according to John, Jesus washes his disciples' feet. And then he tells them to love one another in the same practical and self-giving way. And why? I have said these things to you, says Jesus, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So even if you grew up in a family with very little love, love can be learned. And even better, Jesus promises that the practice of it will lead to fullness of joy. The second piece of good news we heard before, and that is this. All who trust in Jesus as Christ are God's children. This means that you are God's child, and you already belong to a family which is much bigger and more loving and more robust than your family of origin. One day, Jesus was teaching when his mother and brothers came to the door, and they tried to extract him from the crowd. Well, word filtered in that his family was seeking him, but who are my mother and brothers? asked Jesus. And then he looked at those who were sitting around him, and he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Look at those people sitting around you now. Here are your mother and your brothers and your sisters. This motley group of people that you probably wouldn't choose. The people known as sanctuary. Here are people who seek to do the will of God, who are trying to love not just with their words, but through their actions. Here are people who, in their annual covenant, are committed to hospitality, generosity, justice and peace. Like it or not, we are your truest family. I am your mother and you are mine. And so no matter how toxic your biological mother is, No matter how fraught your family of origin, as your mother and sister in Christ, I'd like to wish you a very blessed and ultimately healing Mother's Day. In the name of Jesus Christ, our most gracious brother and our friend. Amen. Did you know that there's always more to read on our website? at sanctuarybaptist.wordpress.com Sanctuary is funded entirely by members and supporters. If you'd like to support the work of this little church, you can make a donation via PayPal, and you can find the details for this on the website. This podcast was made on the lands of the Eastern Ma Nation, whose people have been sharing story and keeping culture since time immemorial. I pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. Peace be with you.